0: Cold, bring a jacket or snuggle up. All right. Uh, We do have the heat on. It's that time of year where it's going to be hot or it might be cold. And then, of course, um, you add in the fact that everybody feels got their own different thermostats inside. I'm just not going to make any of y'all happy for the next six months with heat. So we just we're not going to worry about it now. But but I'm happy to have you guys here and thankful that fall is here. It seems and on its way. Leaves are changing. The cool air is coming through. So praise God for it. Uh, lots of things going on. I want to give you guys just a quick uh, little things here. Uh, first of all, I want to remind you that today um, is the service for Janice, for the Midkiff family. Continue to pray for them. Her service will be at 2 o'clock over here at Vaughn uh, Gwynn here in Hillsville. And uh, let's pray as well, too, for uh, Brother Randy Harmon, for their family. He had, uh, lost his dad earlier this week, and um, I just heard about it a couple days ago. But um, there's been lots of loss of life, but uh, let's pray for these families and remember them, but if you can make it today, I know the, uh, the family will certainly appreciate it. Um, this Wednesday, um, we've got uh, sort of a witness Wednesday and some food bags to try to empty out and to, to get our new stuff ready for our food pantry. Uh, but we've got bags made up, and as a matter of fact, when I say we, I mean Doug and Paulette came and slaved away and, uh, but they helped us out by getting all those bags together. Um, this Wednesday from 10 to 2, uh, sorry excuse me, 10 to 12, by 2 o'clock, we're going to be back inside, so I don't know what's happening then. But from 10 to 12, we're going to have food bags for pickup for a drive through food pantry. Um, so we'll have that uh, ready to go. But be praying for those things um, as well. Then uh, the 21st, the next day, this Thursday, we've got a senior trip to the Parkway. Going to go eat at the Bluff. Is that right? All right. Got it. So go look at the leaves right around. Should be good. You ain't got to worry about nothing except looking at leaves and chewing some food, so it should be an easy, fun trip, but I think it'll be a good time. The leaves are changing, and it'll be a good day. But um, Then as well, next Sunday evening, all right, the 24th, we're going to have a little bit of a change-up of what we're going to do that evening. We're going to have a, a Bible Q&A night, all right? Now, up here, you see our little boxes for prayer requests or praises. They also are there for Bible questions. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I've had several who have turned some in already, but if you got a Bible question, all right, Now, I'm not talking stump the preacher and let's show off how dumb he is, all right? But I'm talking about you got a genuine Bible question that you want answered. Turn it in, and I'm going to do my best that night to answer as many as possible to kind of come in prepared. And if I don't get to yours, then come to all the services throughout the week, and you might get it answered, or I'm going to save it for the next time, okay? But we're going to do some of these things, just some different stuff, try to edify each other and to get some questions answered. But um, I might even put one in there, too. I don't know. (laughs) But but, um, but, but by, by all means, fill that out and drop it off. Then on uh, October 29th, coming up real quick, that Friday night we're having our our fabulous family, fall, fling, ding, and chili cook-off, where we're going to have? Till we're done, done, done. Good night. If you're a visitor today, I'm so sorry at their lack of enthusiasm. Y'all will come and have a lot of fun, but if you are a visitor We'd love to have you for this event, but if you are a visitor today and uh, you didn't get a connection card or anything or haven't visited in a while, slip your hand up. We've got a couple guys back there would like to give you a gift and a card so we can make a connection with you uh, sometime today. But um, we're looking forward to our cook-off uh, that night. We're going to have uh, bring chili or whatever else you might want to eat, desserts, sides, any of that good stuff. But we're having a couple competitions, so we'll have where you can eat chili in a bowl, right, like mass quantities of it, or little just to taste it so that we can vote for hottest or best. We'll have some door prizes, some candy and games for the kids, Lord willing. And as well, to cap off the night, a pumpkin pie eating contest, all right? No forks, no spoons, just a sheer will to win, all right? So you come and we'll have a good time. And then as well, on uh, October 31st, that day, um, that evening, we're going to have the Lord's Supper at 6 p.m. And I know that some might not come. They're going to be out with kids, grandkids, so we shifted the time to 6 o'clock to be a little earlier and uh, that night, we're just going to do the Lord's Supper service portion of everything and, and let you guys go enjoy your night. But uh, lots of stuff happening. But be praying for these things, planning for them. And I'm thankful that today what's happening is that the uh, body of Christ has gathered to worship our risen Lord and it's come to sing and to hear from the word of God so that we might be changed today as we go from this place. But let's open up in prayer and uh, ask the Lord to bless this, uh, this day and these services. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this life that you've given to us, for each one that's here, Lord. Grateful that we can... Uh, gather freely and and to hear your word preached as well to sing songs of praise to you. Lord, I pray that each person that's in this room today would have a right heart and attitude and motive for being here. and, And as we sing, Lord, that we wouldn't worry about what we sound like or look like or smell like. But Lord, we just care about singing praises to you and to glorify you with all that we say and all that we do. God, I pray that you would help us to be edifying to one another, encouraging to each other. And Lord, that today that you would accomplish what you set forth from your word And, Lord, that you would demonstrate your power and your presence to us. And, God, that you might show us your glory today. God, that we would be changed and be used of you in this community. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we give this time over to you now. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Good morning. If you're able, please stand. Let me get my mic on here. If you're able, please stand and we'll begin our worship to the tune of There Is a Redeemer. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says Christ Jesus has become our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That's what we're going to sing about. There is a Redeemer. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son. Lamb of God, Messiah, oh. hymn number 224 if you desire to look at the book we have come into his house this song is a is a blessing to me this is why we're here is this song right here we have come into his house we have come into his house and gathered in his name Him, we have come into his house and gathered. forget about ourselves and magnify his name and worship him let's forget about ourselves and magnify his name and worship him let's forget about ourselves M number 500, Saved, Saved. We've found a friend who can save us, and his name is Jesus. According to his mercy, by his mercy and by his grace, he saved us according to his mercy. Titus 3, 5. Y'all pray for me. I'm about to lose my voice here. Praise the Lord. I'm still going. I found a friend. Who is all Joy is complete for I'm saved. Thank you for singing. Amen. We have a special now by Stephen Dalton and anyone else? Just you? Solo. Okay. Great. Great. Praise the Lord. Yeah. bow with me in prayer and uh, you know the word of god says "Where two or more gathered there he be in the midst any two agree on any one thing it shall be given we have a lot of promises right there so let's go to the one that can fulfill those promises and pray with me in one mind in one accord our heavenly father we thank you lord for this wonderful day you've given us thank you lord for the opportunity to come into your house, and Lord, lift up the name of Jesus, worship our holy God. We pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, just bless in every aspect of the worship hour here today. You've already blessed in the singing, we thank you and praise you for that. We ask, Lord, that you would touch our pastor and give him a, a power from on high, unction, liberty clarity of thought and speech as he brings your message to your people here today. Help us, Lord, to be attentive and uh, listen to what you've got to say through your man here today. We pray, Lord, that we'd not be hearers only, but doers. And uh, Lord, we pray that we would be obedient to your commands here today and do what you would have us to do. And Lord, we'll give give you all the praise and honor and glory and we ask lord that you would just speak to hearts and thank you for every heart that's here today change our hearts lord make us more like you in this hour and every day for it's in jesus name we pray and ask all things amen okay please stand as we sing oh how i love jesus old song but, but one that we know very well one that I love singing I love to sing about loving Jesus because he has first loved us first John 4 19 we love him because he first loved us there is sweetest name. The most important part of the service is preaching God's word. Let's give our pastor, whom we love dearly, a nice hand.
0: I appreciate you guys this morning. At this time for children's ages 4 to 6, children's church can be dismissed. Ages 4 to 6, children's church, any takers? No? All right, looks like y'all stuck with me then. All right. <laughs> All right, take your Bible and turn with me to Galatians chapter number two. Galatians chapter number two this morning. Appreciate the songs sung this morning, the truth uh, from the, the specials to the hymns sung. And the and, uh, Lord, has certainly been worship today. And uh, your heart should certainly be filled this morning. Uh, but I thank each one of you for being here with us and being a part of it. I want to read for us Galatians chapter number two, verses uh, 15 down through 21. And we'll pray and jump right into these things today. Galatians chapter 2, verse 15 says, We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man, and pay attention, verse 16 is going to be the key today. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even when we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. But if while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of sin God forbid? For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead and vain. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for each one that's here. God, I thank you for the songs that have been sung this morning, Lord, for the worship that has been lifted. I pray that it would bring you glory and honor this morning. God, I pray that now... As we get to the time of preaching your word, Lord, that you would clear my heart and my mind, Lord, help me to focus on you, to be filled by you, Lord, that you would fill this place with your presence. And Lord, today, if there's one today who does not know you as Lord and Savior, I pray that you would reach down, convict them of sin, and save their souls. Lord, today, if there's one who needs encouragement, Lord, whatever it might be today, God, meet that need as only you can. Lord, we lift up this time to you now, we give it over to you, and we ask that you would have your way today. In Christ's name, amen. If you're new here with us today, your first time, we've been starting this month of October going through the Foundations of Faith series. The past two weeks, we dealt each week the certain topic of, first of all, the scripture alone—that that it is the scripture alone that is our authority, that is given by God, the divine inspired word of God, that is not just infallible and errant and inspired, but it is sufficient. This Bible is enough, not just to save you. But to sanctify you and to promise us of the hope of the eternal life that we have just sung about earlier uh, that we will one day meet our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and see him face to face and we will know him far better and far greater than we've known him now but right now we can have the assurance according to the scripture that we do know him last week we then looked at the second key foundation of our faith and that is that we are saved by grace alone there is no merit to that your hands or your heart could try to do. All that we have to offer God is nothing but filthy rags in His sight. It is nothing but, even as the Bible would say, nothing but dung. It is worth nothing. We have no good in us. That is why our salvation and even our assurance of salvation, it is all of grace. From the moment of your first heartbeat and breath, to the very last one, and everything in between, and even to our time that we will spend in eternity, it is by God's grace alone. A free gift of which you have the uh, opportunity here today to accept and to believe and to receive that precious gift of salvation or to reject, and to reject means damnation and hell. It is not something that is made up. It's not a place where you're going to go hang out with your buddies or get by with things. It is rather a place where you will be under the divine wrath of Almighty God forever and forever. And I want you to know it's not even the devil that rules hell and is going to be doing the torturing. He himself one day is going to be thrown into that same lake of fire that everyone else who has rejected Christ. And he too will face the wrath of God that is coming against him. Today, as we come to this passage and we're going to see here Galatians chapter 2, specifically verse 16, we're going to get over into Romans here in a little while. We're going to address one main issue, and it is an issue that was an issue from the very beginning of souls needing salvation, and it will forever be an issue because where there is man, man believes that he can justify or save himself. And today, if that is you, today, if you think that it is your church membership or how long you've been in the church or how much money you've given to this church or whatever role you've ever played in this church, it ain't going to cut the mustard. It don't matter. It it will not uh, add up. If there is nothing that you can do to offer God that he will say, hey, you know what? You are pretty good. I'll let you into heaven. It is by grace alone, as we're going to see today through faith alone and next week in Christ alone. It is not in what our hands can bring or what we can do as a song sings, nothing in my hands. I bring simply to thy cross. I cling today as we deal with the foundations of faith. Notice that it is foundations of faith, not foundations of works. If it was foundations of works, it would be nothing but sand, and it would crumble, it would fall, uh, it would would be worth nothing. And as we are dealing with these issues, I want to point us back to where a lot of this comes from, to a degree. There was a German monk named Martin Luther who, some 500 plus years ago, nailed these theses to the church door, the castle of, of Wittenberg, Germany, and where he announced and said, We've got some issues here that got to be addressed because there was what was called and still is called today the Roman Catholic Church that for thousands of years now at this point has preached the heresy and the Antichrist doctrine that man can save himself or be saved by works. If you are saved today and believe that you are saved because you uh, went to vacation Bible school or because you are deacon or because you've served in leadership in the church, or because you got baptized, maybe even spiritual enough you got baptized in a river, or maybe because you walked an aisle, slung snot in tears, signed a card, raised a hand, did the hokey pokey and turned yourself around. That's not salvation. You are saved by God's grace through faith. And if you are trusting in an ounce of your works or goodness for salvation, then you don't know salvation. And today, I would say, as we look at this Scripture, that right now and pray that God would reach down, show and convict your heart. And even right now, you would know what you're trusting in because I'd ask you right now, and ask your own heart, what are you trusting in? If you right now were to leave this earth and to stand before God, why in the world would He allow you into heaven? If your answer would be, I was a good person, or I tried real hard, or I was in church leadership, or even this one that gets real tricky for some folks, I, I prayed the sinner's prayer. If you've got a sinner's prayer, point me to chapter and verse. Because it's not there. What we find is weak, frail sinners who God says come unto me, and they say, Lord, will you receive me by your mercy? It is simply by God's grace and mercy that we're saved. It's not by a magical potion, not by a magical prayer, not by a magical anything. It is by faith and sincere faith sincere faith in what christ has done not sincere faith in what i have done not sincere faith of what the church says or what the so-and-so says or what i feel because if your salvation is based upon your feeling then you are in for a world of trouble because there's days that even the preacher right here before you doesn't feel all that saved. if i did well wouldn't that be great certainly but you know what it's not about our feelings it is about our fact and the fact that scripture teaches that we are saved by the precious blood of Christ and Him alone. If we are saved by works, it is not ours. It is only the works of Christ. So in a sense, we are saved by works, just not ours. We're saved by Jesus' works, His death, burial, and resurrection, according to the Scriptures. And today, if you're trusting by faith in His works, then you are saved. Then you are able to know Him. And you are uh, under the blood and have forgiveness and have a hope of eternal life. The sad reality, though, is that we're not just picking on the Roman Catholic Church or anybody else today, so don't get that wrong. I want to pick on us good old-fashioned Bible-believing Baptist churches who unfortunately have far too many in the pews who are yet still trusting in their works. There's a lot of people who want to hold on to the church membership but will never darken the doorstep just as long as their church membership can be put in their obituary. You might get it read that you were a member of so-and-so church when you have your service, but guess what? That's not going to get you into heaven. The preacher one day who preaches at your funeral service can't preach you there. As a matter of fact, it was a Catholic church that taught you can maybe get some extra merit and get preached in there, get bought in there. It don't work that way. You do get bought, but it's not by your hands. It's not by your works. It's not by your money. I have nothing that I can offer God that could save my soul, but he has everything to offer me, and it's only through Christ. Today, the immediate context of this book of Galatians The Apostle Paul is writing to the church of Galatia. They are uh, a saved church and saved people, but the issue that has come about is that there are those who are teaching a false gospel, this heresy that they can be saved by outside of just faith alone, that it's faith plus their works, their goodness, their keeping of the law, their wearing the right clothes, saying the right things, and unfortunately that's the testimony of many who claim to be a Christian. And if that is your testimony, then you, my friend, are not a Christian. You must be born again. And today, by the end of the day, it is my prayer and my heart and my hope that according to the word that you would be convicted and and trust and know for sure before you walk out those doors that I am saved because I have put my trust in Jesus. I am totally dependent upon him. We are born, as we've already addressed last week, dead in our sins and trespasses. I need him to save me. I need him to quicken me. I need his grace. I need to put my trust totally upon him alone. The immediate context found here in verse 16 of what we're dealing with, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Three times in this verse, we've got, you are not justified by works. We're going to deal with what that means. You say, well, this is simple. Well, if it's so simple, then why do we have so many people who claim to know Christ and yet would say, I'm saved because I did blank. That's not right. If I can say anything about my salvation, it is I'm saved because I am a sinner and trusted Christ and he's done the work. He's bought me. He's uh, redeemed me. He's forgiven me. He's sealed me. That's it. It's not me. The only thing that you and I can offer in our hope of salvation is the fact that we have sin that needs forgiveness and saving. All we've got to offer is, is nothingness. Now, here I want to turn your attention back to, verse, uh, to chapter number 1, verse number 6. Here he opens up the letter and he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. The word gospel is good news. The word gospel here is dealing with the work of Christ, which is that he came, he lived and fulfilled the law, and he died upon the cross, where he suffered and died for you and in my place and in your place. And he not only paid the price for our sins, but became our sins. He who knew no sin became sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Not only did He die on that cross, but He was, as was just sung a little bit ago, praise the Lord for that truth, that He was put in that grave, but He is not there, He is risen, so that you too one day might rise, and be glorified, and to know Him, and to have hope of eternity. That's our hope when we leave this world. And it's not a hope so salvation, it's a hope and entrusting in Him. It is not that, well, I I hope I'm saved as those who put their works in. Because if you're basing salvation upon works, you have no assurance. You only have, well, I hope so. Uh, You know what? I'm just going to leave it up to God to sort it out. If you leave it up to God to sort this out, every one of us would be in hell today. But guess what? It's by His grace and mercy He's offered to you, His Son. And if you trust in Him by faith, you shall be saved. It's a Bible promise. Verse number 7 then tells us in chapter 1, which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. And look at verse 9. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you that ye have received, let him be accursed. Now he says it a couple times. If God says it once, He means it. If He says it twice, He's wanting you to understand this is important, especially back-to-back verses here. The key that He says here is if there is another gospel preached, let that preacher be accursed. But the idea as well is those who believe that gospel will also themselves be accursed. The sad reality is that today we have more A cursed preaching behind pulpits because it's not coming from the Word of God. It is not preaching Christ alone. It is not preaching faith alone. It is not preaching grace alone. It is not even for the glory of God alone. It is for man's applause, man's opinion. and It is for man's ideas and, and all of these things. If furthermore, the preacher today who is preaching that you can be saved, you know, if you're really sincere or as long as you try real hard, that man is accursed. Furthermore, I would say he needs to be born again. The other thing I would say is this, that those of you today who have bought into that today, right now, you would be considered a curse, but that curse can be broken by trusting in Jesus right now. Not waiting for an altar call, not waiting for me to ask you to raise a hand or to sign a card or any of those things, because I'm not going to ask you to do a thing, because if you're serious about salvation, you already know it and you don't have to do a thing except cry out to God. And it's that simple. I don't have to have you do X, Y, and Z to try to give you assurance. You will know. If God saves you, you will know. It's immediate. It's life-changing. And there's nothing like it. And those who don't know Christ have no idea. And Paul in the, this book is rebuking those who have added works to faith. And I would say we need more rebuking of that today. The Catholic Church still does it today. The Mormons still do it today. Jehovah's Witness still do it today. And the sad reality is that most Baptists do it today. They just don't say it. There are plenty of Baptist preachers that I know who mean well, and they say, you've you got to be saved. Trust in Jesus. And they say, do this and that, and, and you'll be saved. And, but then they preach moralism to keep your salvation or in order to show that you're saved or you've got to change your shirt to make sure that your heart's right first. That's a bunch of baloney is what it is. If I try to change my heart from the outside in, nothing's ever going to get changed except for uh, your change of clothes. That's it. You can get baptized eight ways this Sunday and you'll just come out a wet sinner still not knowing Christ. You can join every church in the Carroll County and still be as lost as can be. What we need is not a false gospel. What we need is not our works. What we need is to trust In Jesus, if what you believe about that cross that's hidden behind that old thing is this, that if we trust in what he has done there, then it is enough. The cross is enough. We don't need anything else. To add to what Jesus has done is to say that we contribute anything to our salvation. And that is not the case. False gospel of the day is faith plus law here for the Galatians. There are those who are what would be called Judaizers who are coming in and saying, you know, hey, you know, trust Jesus because he was God in the flesh and he died and he rose again. We believe that. But you also have to conform to the law. I want you to know I'm looking at a room full of a bunch of lawbreakers. You bunch of heathen. You're looking at one, too. I know that 85% of y'all, and I'm just guessing here, I don't know the statistics. We haven't done the poll yet. Most of y'all probably broke the speed limit on the way in here, right? I live about a third of a mile away from the church. I know I did. (laughs) I wasn't even running late. I just did it because I could. And I shouldn't have. Y'all okay with that? I hope so, right? We're on the same playing field here, okay? Let's not think anything, all right? Uh, We sin, we do that which is wrong, we break law. Why? Because we are natural law breakers. We are natural sinners. I said last week, we don't... uh, don't, uh, uh, we're not sinners because we sin, we sin because we're sinners. And there's the little difference there. When we look at this, the Judaizers were requiring new converts to keep the law, which no man could do. If there were Judaizers today, it would not just be found in the Catholic church, they would be found in most churches that have Baptists on their front door sign. I'm afraid that I know many of people who have been hurt by well-intentioned people who have preached that, yeah, you gotta trust Jesus, but The moment you sin, you must be lost now. You must not have ever had it. Or you're too far gone for Jesus to save you. Or you've got to keep doing X, Y, and Z to keep your salvation. If I could keep my salvation, that means I could earn my salvation, but I can't earn it, therefore I can't keep it. It has to be all of Christ and by trusting in Him alone. That's what faith is. The faith here, we see though that real faith will produce real works. But works will never produce faith. Works just produce a false assurance, a false conversion. Works say, hey, look what I did. I I checked off my spiritual boxes, therefore I must be right in the sight of God. And yet man has tried to do that forever. As a matter of fact, you can go back to the very first sin, Adam and Eve. The first thing that they do when they realize that they've sinned and and that uh, God is coming to meet with them, is they look at each other, realize they're both naked. Now they've been naked the whole time, but now their eyes are open because of their sin. And the first thing they do is they pull on some clothes and they don't go to Walmart for it. They grab some fig leaves and they cover themselves up. It's what A.W. Tozer called fig leaf religion. It is that they say, I, I, I'm unclean before God. I'm unclean before you now and we weren't a minute ago, so what happened here? I'm naked before you, which means I'm naked before God and, and he's coming. Uh, that means I've got to do something to cover myself up. And It did not work and it still doesn't work today. You can hide behind religion. You can hide behind church attendance. You can hide behind the right words and the right phrases and still not know God and be naked before Him. The works of the law. You see the works of the law here according to Galatians 2.16 that no man is justified by the works of the law. And then He goes on to say, not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It's pretty evident that no works of the law can do it, but what are the works of the law? This is in reference to the law of Moses, which contains 613 different laws and commands. Now, 613 is a lot, right? It is a lot. You say, well, it's not a 1,000. 613. Have you kept them all, 613? No? And can anyone in here do 613? If so, go ahead and sit up and tell the rest of the class here all 613 laws. Why? You can't. Why? Because I can't. I don't know them all. If I don't know them all and can't recite them all, then that means I can't keep them all. And even if I could recite them all, I know I couldn't keep them all because I could not break the speed limit a third of a mile away from church. And we look, though. You say 613 is too many. All right, let's narrow it down to Ten Commandments. There would be most of y'all out here today who could probably name the Ten Commandments at least some variation. It might be your, your own translation. It's pretty rough, but you might can get it. Can you keep all ten? Nope. How about 9 out of 10? That sounds pretty good. That's passing, right? 7 out of 10? These get degrees. Come on, anybody? No. 6 out of 10? 5 out of 10? 4? 3? Not a 1. How about you narrow it down to just 2? That's what Jesus said when he was asked about what's the greatest commandment, Jesus, and he said, okay, I'll, I'll narrow down the whole law for you. And matter of fact, you can do it with the 10 commandments. The first 4 deal with our relationship to God and Uh, to love him and how we are to have a relationship with him, and the the next six are our relationship with others. Jesus says, love God with everything that you are, all of who you are, and love your neighbor, which is everybody, mind you, especially as he's talking to the Jewish crowd who believed that anyone who was not Jewish was a Gentile dog and unclean to even be around. And that's why he used that same reference, who are not sinners of the Gentiles, in verse 15. He's talking to these people who go, well, I'm I'm clean because I'm a Jew. He says, and we're going to see it in Romans, there's none righteous. There's none who can say, I've got it made and I must be right before God because I am this or that or the other. See, no man can even keep the two that Jesus gave. I wish that this preacher up here could love the Lord, his God, with all of his heart, soul, mind, strength all the time. But I can't. I wish that this preacher up here could love his neighbor as himself. But guess what? There's many days I just love me some me. And that's okay because you love you some you too. The reason why we look at this and we say, well, how can man be justified? It's not by works. It's not by this. What in the world can we do? You see, works are a proof of our salvation, according to James. It's not for our salvation, but because of our salvation, there will be these works. As a matter of fact, he says in verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteous come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. If you are saved by works or keeping the law, then Jesus would have died in vain. Why would we even have the cross today? We wouldn't have had need for it if we could just keep the law. As a matter of fact, if Adam could have just kept the law and not break one, mind you, he didn't have the two that Jesus nailed down. He didn't have just ten. He didn't have the 613. He had one. See that tree? Just the one tree in all the garden? Everything else is yours. Everything else is yours, man. Just that one. Don't eat it. What do you do? ate it. This is why God could just give us one rule and we would still break it. Because we're rule breakers. Now, here's what we find. We find this as well in chapter 3, verse 19. The law's purpose is to point us to the need of Jesus, the Messiah. There were those who would like to throw out the Old Testament and say, well, we don't need it anymore because we're New Testament believers. The Old Testament points to Christ. We need every jot and tittle. We need every word. We need every chapter, every verse. We need this whole book. Galatians chapter 3 verse 19 tells us this. Wherefore then serveth the law, which is the way that we would say, so what's the point of it? What's the purpose of it? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the, <clears throat> excuse me. It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid, or, or may it never be. For if there had been a law given, which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture hath concluded, all under sin. Now, I want to give you a lesson there. That word all under sin means All under sin. It means what it means there. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law, shut up unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by, what's that word? Faith. He says, the law of works showed us that we need to be justified by faith alone. He says, uh, but, uh, but therefore faith came when we kept in the law, shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ, that we should be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, not because of some universal fatherhood, but it is by faith in Christ Jesus For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Now notice this, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. We're going to look here that the law shows our sin and points to our Savior. And we're going to look over in Romans about this man named Abraham in just a moment. If you want to know, Abraham goes back to the foundation of the Father Abraham, right? Little kid song, had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. I'm one of them, and so are you, so let's just praise the Lord, right? Right arm, everybody, right? <laughs> We're going to do the whole thing. If you don't know it, come to Children's Church sometime. You'll, you'll learn it good. But here, we have to understand before we go any further that if you can keep the law or earn your salvation, then one, you don't need Jesus, and you can do whatever you want to do. You can just earn your way, work your way. But we've established already the fact that there's not one of us that can keep 613. There's not one of us that can keep it down to 10. There's not one of us that can just keep the two. And there wasn't even Adam who, he's got his wife and he's got God and a bunch of animals and he couldn't keep one. So let me ask you today, why are you saved? It's not by your works, nor is it by mine. The rest of us here today. It's faith alone. Turn with me to Romans chapter number one. We see that no man is justified by the works of the law. So how is man justified? He told us already in Galatians 2.16 and all throughout the rest of the book of Galatians. Justified by faith. Justified by faith. We have to understand these key doctrines of justification and imputation. Recently, listened to a podcast this week and some sermons and things about this and, and preparation. I like to get in as much stuff as possible. I, I, Sunday morning sermons—it's it, crock-potted all week. It's low and slow. I'm getting as much stuff as possible. And listen, this week there was a podcast that played some some startling things. They were at a pastor's conference of some different folks who would certainly call themselves Christians, It asked them a simple question of this. And these are pastors, mind you, all of which were probably seminary grads and all this stuff and had local churches that they served, and were asked, can you tell me how important the doctrine of justification is? And one after the other, after the other, after the other, would have to say, can you define that for me? What does that mean? Or, well, you know, it's not the most important thing. I just want to love on people. I just want to, you know, let people know that I love them. I would not love you if I did not teach and preach what justification means because if you don't know I'm not talking about just know the definition. I'm talking about believe who Christ is and put your trust in him. And unless you've been justified, and you won't know if you've been justified, unless you know what it means to begin with, then I would not love you if I didn't do that. Today, we need to look and address this. Every believer must know a couple things. What they believe, it's not my job, it's yours. You've got to give an account for you on judgment day, not me. Granted, I've got a whole lot more stuff to deal with because I've got to give an account for what i preached, taught, and the way i led to this church. So y'all pray for me. I'm praying for you as well because we've got to get to the place where we each, as Christians, take our personal responsibility seriously. Perhaps one of the greatest points of the Reformation some 500 years ago was the fact that it's not up to a pope or a priest. It's my personal choice to follow Christ, and it's my personal discernment to know who Christ is and whether I will follow him or not. No man can do this for you. I can't. If I could, I would, but I can't. Every believer must know what they believe, why they believe it. We don't need to just regurgitate what you've heard or what you thought or what someone preached, what you believe, why you believe it, and then be able to accurately communicate it because then that's taking our faith into action and to spread what God has called us to do, which is called the gospel message of Christ. First of all, I want to give you what these two terms mean. Justification. Justification, first of all, is a legal term. A legal term used to give a verdict in the court of law during this time. You and I might use the word justify to say, well, can you justify your actions? And we would say, well, I did this because of this. Whether it was right or wrong or not. Now, I would say this before we go any further, that a man and his sin, he will justify anything. A man will justify his sin every single time. I deserve it. So-and-so does it, so I can do it. Or uh, this happened, so I-, I-, I earned it. Or it's not that bad. That's called justifying our sin. We can't justify our way to heaven by saying, well, God, I-, I was good enough. Or you remember that time I went to Christmas service and I even went to Easter that year? Remember that time when I made my mama happy and I went on Mother's Day? God, I must be justified that way, right? I mean, you know, I tried real hard. I was so busy. God, I was working and working and working. I-, I just didn't have time for church. But, you know, I, I believed in you and all. He will say, depart from me. To be justified means, according to Scripture, to be declared righteous or not guilty. Right now, those who are not in Christ, if they were to stand before Him in a courtroom, when we were without Christ, before knowing Him, before our salvation, the gavel would have came down and we'd have heard, guilty, guilty, guilty. For every one of us without Christ, it is... Not just so guilty that, you know, we can maybe get on probation and try, like others would say. But rather, it's guilty and the punishment is death. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. To be declared righteous or not guilty, that's what everybody is looking for. But guess what? We have no righteous merit of our own. And we have no way to make ourselves not guilty. It would be like trying to clean up a crime scene with... Uh, bloody rags themselves or oily rags. It's not going to happen. It's just going to smear and make things worse. Then we have the doctrine of imputation, which is unfortunately forgotten. It goes right along with justified, with justification. It means to be dis- ascribed or reckoned or inherited this righteousness. If you are saved today, it has been given or imputed to your account. It would be like this if we were in a courtroom today and I was guilty of breaking the speed limit, right? But instead of just breaking the speed limit, I did something far grievous and and, and they were going to say, you're going to be put to death. And I deserve it. I have no answer. I have no plea. I have nothing I can say except, well, I I tried real hard. I I did my best and and none of that's going to work. The judge, if he's just, is going to look at me and say, you are done. No probation. You're not going to spend years in jail. You're going death as sinners that's what we deserve that's our sentence we're guilty but in the middle of this whole courtroom at christ our advocate the righteous one the holy one the one who is the mediator between god the judge and man the guilty who became guilty when he was guiltless and faultless who was pronounced guilty at the cross for you and me for our sins that on that cross, it was not just that Jesus died for our sins, but that our sins and the sins of all of eternity and the wrath that was placed upon sinners accordingly and justly and rightly was then imputed to Him. The same reason why Jesus on the cross would say and cry out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that dark time upon the cross, as Jesus is literally becoming our sin. That our sin has been imputed to him, so what happens at salvation? His righteousness is imputed to us. It goes on our account. But right? your record as a sinner, your record as, as, as wicked and vile and dead and sins and trespasses, it's been thrown out the books. It's not there anymore. If you were to look in the Lamb's Book of Life and your your name is there, there's not going to be an asterisk that says check the other book and go look at all the sins. Rather, it's going to say He's covered by the blood. He's saved. He's sealed into the day of redemption. There's no going back. There's no bringing up the past. Who can accuse us? What can come against those who are in Christ? According to Romans 8, there's no more condemnation and there's no more separation in Christ Jesus our Lord. Great exchange at the cross. We have no righteousness of our own except filthy rags. The great exchange is that this righteousness that we have that comes to us is an alien righteousness. It's foreign to us because it is Christ and His alone. Christ at the cross gets our worst, and at salvation we get His best, which is why Galatians 2.20 is so important. That I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. If you're crucified, you're not alive. You're dead. You've been crucified. Yet I live Why do I live? I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Today, know that, that Christ loved you and gave Himself for you so that you might be born again, so that you might be saved. Not by your works. Not by fulfilling the law because you can't do it. But by trusting in what He's done. And He says, don't change this to come to me. Don't do that to come to me. Just simply come unto me. And I'll take all of the bad that you are. I'll take all of your sinfulness. I'll take that stain. And I'll give you a robe of righteousness of which will never come off. And that's who you are before God. Today, if you're saved, that is who you are before God today. And there is no changing that fact. William Gurnall writes, We are justified, not by giving anything to God, what we do, but by receiving from God, what Christ hath done for us. We don't have a blind faith, mind you, either. Faith sees. But faith sees with spiritual eyes, because they've been spiritually open, because this person has been born again. What was dead is now alive. You don't see if you're dead. You're just dead. When you've been made alive in Christ, boy, do you ever see. And you have a spiritual sight that you can see Christ. You can see His goodness. You can see His grace. You can experience His mercy. You can experience all of who He is by His grace through faith in Him alone. Today's salvation, I want you to know this, has always, Old Testament included, and we're going to address that, has always been by faith alone and forever shall be by faith alone. Abraham and No one, Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, and all the way down the list in the Old Testament. Even Moses himself, the one who wrote the law that God gave to him, were not justified by being good people. They found grace in God's sight. And they had faith, and it was reckoned or accounted unto Abraham and every other Old Testament saint for righteousness. He said, Well, what about the law? What about the sacrifices? You know what? They did sacrifice every year. Why? Because God told them to. And it was a picture of the fact that there was a coming Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world and that sacrifice has been made. If you don't believe me, go read the book of Hebrews and get all excited about what Christ has done. We don't have to sacrifice bulls, goats, and rams no more. We don't have to try to live up to the expectations of the law that weigh us down and burn us down. We simply trust in Jesus who is the prophet, priest, and King of God who is come to be that full and final sacrifice so that no more today, what you see in this church service, we're not going to have out back a, a sacrifice of an animal, right? We'll save that for the other churches. I don't know what they do, right? It's not going to happen here. Why? Because that sacrifice has been made. And I'm going to trust that that sacrifice is enough. And that sacrifice is Jesus. Romans 1:16 and 17 tell us this, that those who are justified live by faith. They are saved by faith, kept by faith, and one day our faith will be made sight. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Not by works, not by goodness, not by religion, by faith. Go over just a page. Romans chapter 3. All need to be justified, but none can be apart from faith alone in Christ alone. Romans chapter 3 verse 21 tells us this. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. You know what faith is? It is a total belief and dependence upon God. It's not just a, well, I'm kind of trusting. It is everything that is within you says it's all Jesus. It's none of me. It is God. It's either you save me or I'll be lost forever. That's it. That's faith. Faith believes God at his word. Faith trusts it completely and wholeheartedly. It's not halfway. It's an all the way kind of faith and trust. He says in verse 22, Excuse me, verse 23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There, once more, that word all that we talked about earlier, it still means all right here. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely. There's no cost to you. It costs Jesus everything. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be, A propitiation through faith in His blood. Propitiation means to satisfy the wrath of God through faith in His blood. To declare the righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of them which believe in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Or of works? Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. That's right. Amen there. He says, is he the God of the the Jews only? Is he not also the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith. It means Jew gets saved by faith. Gentile gets saved by faith. It's never been by the law. It's never been by the works. It's never been by goodness. It is by faith alone. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. Abraham and every other Old Testament or New Testament saint is saved the same way. By grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. You say, Jesus didn't come in the Old Testament. Guess what? He was very much there, and he was very much promised. And they were waiting Every time, once a year, when that high priest had to go in and to sacrifice and to make that on the Day of Atonement, you know what they were looking forward to? That scapegoat to come. That final sacrifice to come. They were looking forward to the day that the last drop of blood has been shed and the last blood has been shed. And it was not shed by an animal. It was shed by God in the flesh. Jesus the Christ, crucified upon Calvary's hill for you and me. Will you keep trusting in works Will you keep trusting in bulls and rams and goats? Will you trust in your goodness? Or will you trust in what Christ has done in His shed blood? There is no other option but that. It says in verse 16 of chapter 4, Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end of the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that which is also is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As we talked about in Galatians already. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before Him, Whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Wouldn't that be nice to be said about us? And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. And therefore, notice this word, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him. But for us also to whom it shall be imputed. If we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, and was raised for our justification. Salvation is by faith alone, nothing more, nothing less. How do I know? Chapter 5, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of glory. Today, are you justified? Are you justified in the sight of God? Not by your good works, not by your merit, not by the law, but are you declared righteous today? Not guilty, not guilty when Christ looks at you and the Father looks at you, what He sees is the blood of Jesus who has covered your sins and you have trusted Him and you are wearing His righteousness, clothed in it, position it's who you are now. Today, if you died in this moment, which we don't know what a day will bring, by the way, and that's no scare tactic. People die every day. Today, What's going to get you into heaven? What's going to get you to know the Lord? What's going to get you into that eternal home and rest? It will not be a thing that you do. It will be simply by the works of Christ, by faith in Him. Today, would you be guilty? Would you be innocent? Today, those of you who are saved, I would say this, and I would ask you this, where, where is your faith? To those of you who are saved today, It is not enough that we just simply trust God to save us, but it's that we trust God in every moment. That we walk and live by faith. Why? Because it's walking and living by faith that we have peace with God. Isn't that what you're looking for? Isn't that why we're here? We want peace with God. It's what everyone's searching for. It's through faith alone. How about having grace and somewhere to stand? It's by faith. How about being able to rejoice in the hope of in who God is? It's by faith. Today, the message is real simple. If you don't know Christ today, trust Him. Put your faith in Him and He will save you. If you need help, if you've got questions, meet me right down here and I'll take the Bible show you. Hang around afterwards. I ain't going nowhere. Get it right today. Today also, though, the answer is the same. If you're saved, trust Christ. Put your faith in Him alone. For by grace you're saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Today, if we have anything to boast in, it is simply in the cross of Christ. What will you boast in? What will you trust in? Are you saved today? Let us all stand. Today, we come to a time of invitation. If you need the Lord, this altar's open. You don't have to wait for music. If you need to be saved, you don't have to wait or, or, or do anything except for simply cry out to God and He'll save you. Today, if you are trusting in Him, but you just need help, if you need encouragement, if you need strength today, come find it by putting your trust in Him right here at this old-fashioned altar. This altar is open. As the piano plays, would you come today? <coughs> Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. I thank you for each one that's here. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the songs lifted. God, do a work in each heart as we go from this place, Lord, that you would be glorified in us and through us. Help us to have our faith strengthened in you and in you alone. In Christ's name, amen.
1: Okay, We'll close after worship hour by the tune of How Great Thou Art, hymn number 147. How Great Thou Art. Then sings my soul. my soul.